Thank you for joining Vertical Church Online. Today, Pastor Brian will be talking about the weed of spiritual laziness. While you're here, go ahead and click subscribe, and you can see us here in Ovilla at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday. I struggle being selfish with my time. I find myself emotionally drained and either say no too often to the needs of others or I say yes too often and my family suffers because I'm just done. And when I do, I am choked. God has been good to our church this past couple of weeks. He's been good to us all the time. But I want to point out a couple of ways he's been good this past week or two. About a week and a half ago, Charles and Betty Johnson were on their way home from Colorado. And they got to about Wichita Falls, and Betty uh, became ill to the point that it was necessary to call uh, 911. And she got to a trauma center there, found out she had had a heart attack. So they began caring for her, and she had a procedure, and the Lord heard our prayers, and Betty's right here this morning. <clears throat> yeah, stand up, Betty. Woo, amen. Amen. So um, this week began to move along, and then I got a call Thursday morning, early, or a text said that Dan Diaz had gone to the hospital. They were care flighting him to Dallas because he had had a heart attack. And so went and saw him. I guess it was later Thursday morning. He had had a procedure, stint put in place. He was sitting up, eating breakfast, and ready for a party. It was the craziest thing. God had heard prayer then as well and care and demonstrated himself faithful. So we can all say hello to Dan online this morning. Hello, Dan. We're praying for you. Yeah. 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 So Dan's normally in our tech booth running our media, but uh, Justin's filling in today. And uh, I'm just amazed how good God is to care for his children. And I'm grateful that we live in a day when that kind of stuff could just be a routine thing. You go and you have a heart attack, you go in and they fix it, and two days you're home. That's crazy, crazy stuff. So I'm grateful uh, for how good God has been. And I know there's many other stories probably in the room today of ways God has shown himself faithful this week. And he loves to do that, and he loves for us to talk about it. Because there's someone else in the room usually that needs to hear a good reminder of how good God is. Amen. So today we gather to do that. We do that to remind ourselves and to press on in the faith that he has for us. Several years ago, our family went to visit some friends living in the hill country. Kids were a lot younger. Uh, the friends had a, a one-bedroom cabin, and all seven of us went at the time and stayed in it, and it was a lot of fun. And they said, uh, hey, you can go on out down by the river as well. The Brazos River runs through our property. Help yourself on down there. So we walk on down. It's beautiful. It's summer. It's hot. And kids are taking their socks and shoes off and walking in the river, coming back out in the banks, walking along. And all of a sudden, Hunter and Taylor began to complain about something that is hurting, stinging their feet. So we look, and there's nothing 
There are no ants, there's no scorpions, there's no nothing on their feet. Don't even see any real red marks of any kind. But they are in pain, a lot of pain. And so we take them back up, try to wash it off, and it seems to just irritate it and make it worse. And still don't see a lot. There's a little bit of redness, but the stinging has gone on. And it moves on into itching and if you're from Texas, you probably know what I'm about to say already. So we go and we talk to the folks that own the property, and they said, oh, well, you probably got into some bull nettle. And uh, that's what you say when you, want to, when you get into it. That's what you want to say, at least. Bull nettle, that hurts, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, no, really, that's what it's called here in Texas. There's a, a version called Texas bull nettle. And um, let me show you a picture of some bull nettle. At first, it's like, well, that's... Uh, Okay, that looks kind of interesting. But if you look close, in fact, let me show you a close-up. That's more of what bull nettle looks like. And so you brush up against that stuff. Whew, it's those little things, those little hypodermic needles all over that. Yeah, they stick you. And those hurt enough, but that's not the part that's the worst. The worst is the chemical makeup that is on those little needles. It's filled with histamine and other... Uh, elements that make up this pain that is crazy, painful, and itching that ensues soon afterwards. Uh, if you were to look online, they would tell you that if you come in contact with this, you're going to want to have this instinct to scratch, rub, wash, do something. But what they suggest is that you let it just dry. Just wait about 10 to 15 minutes for, the, for what's on your skin to dry then you can remove it. If you try to do anything before that, you'll only spread those and it'll make the pain worse. And I think, man, what a crazy thing, this vine, this weed that has a built-in self-defense mechanism, right? You try to do something with it and it's like, oh yeah, come at me, bro. Just really, just, just come on. I dare you. Just, I'm ready. Just come on at me. And it's really that way with, with bull nettle. It's tough stuff. If you get it, you don't want to go around it. You don't want to get near it because of what could happen to you. We're in the middle of a series. In fact, we're coming down to the end of our series called Choked. We've been looking at some of the weeds and vines that can entangle our heart and keep us from experiencing all that God has for us. Jesus said our heart is like soil, and it's our responsibility as the soil and the manager of our soil to make sure that our heart is free from weeds that can distract us from what God is planting in us and the work that he is trying to grow in us, the fruit that he wants to produce in us. We've looked at a variety of vines over the past several weeks. We've looked at the danger of comparison. We've looked at the danger of envy and jealousy. Today, we look at perhaps the most insidious of all the vines, all the weeds, the one that has the most potential to do the greatest damage to our heart, and that is the weed of spiritual apathy or laziness. So I want to talk today about what that looks like. Let me ask the guys in the back to get me up on the screen in the back first as we move on today. Apathy, laziness, being lethargic happens when we become inactive, uninterested, and lazy about spiritual matters in our life. When the things of God, when spiritual growth in our life 
moves over to the back burner. You know how you're cooking a meal and you got your stuff that's most important on the front burner. You know, you got it up there close. But when it kind of gets done and you're ready for the move on to the next thing and you just want to let that one simmer a little bit, you move it to the back burner. That's where that idea comes from. You move it back because you got something else you're putting your focus on. Sometimes that happens in our lives where God begins a work in us and we're excited, we're passionate, we're all in, and then something shiny comes along. Something comes along and it catches our attention and we're off chasing that. Then something else is shiny and we're squirrel and we're off chasing that. We're doing all that because that looks more appealing in the moment. That's more shiny in the moment. And we take our, our heart, what God is doing, the things that are necessary for us to pursue God, hear from God, and we take that and move it to the back burner. I've got other things I need to be doing right now. I gotta, I gotta take care of this shiny thing I got. I gotta take care of this other thing I got. And we push the work of God off to the back and we become spiritually lazy. Now, it's, it's, it's crazy because that's, no one starts off in their walk with Jesus and says, you know, things are great now, but I, I really can't wait to get to a point in my life where Jesus is not just as important. No one does that. No one says, man, I can't wait to get to a place where when I get around you know, other Christians in church, I really feel awkward. I really can't wait to get to that point. No one says that. No one wants to look forward to a, ble- a day in your life where you say, whew, I am so busy, I don't even have time for God anymore. Nobody starts off like that. No one says, oh man, I really want to be distracted from the things that are most important in life. No one says, oh wow, I really want my relationships to suffer because I'm not connected with God right now. No one says that, but that is often what happens. We let the shiny, we let the distractions come in, and we take what ought to be the most important, and we push it off to the back burner, and we become spiritually lazy. We become a little disinterested. We become a little distracted. And so scripture, spending time with God, a heart of worship, all those things become like, well, you know, maybe I'll have time for that in my week. I'll see if I can squeeze it in. I'll see if I can make some room for that. We push it all off because we've got all these other things that are so much more important, we think. No one ever starts off that way, and that sure is not God's plan for our lives. It's his goal to capture our full attention, to show us the glory of himself, to overwhelm you with his forgiveness and his grace and his love and what he's done in your life, so much so to the point that you are just consumed with him, that you pursue him. That he's the, one of the first things you think of when you wake up in the morning. I wonder what God's going to do in my life today. I wonder what he's going to show me today. I wonder where he's going to show up in my life today. And it's one of those things you, you have in your mind when you lay down at night. God, thank you for being so good to me today. Thank you for showing yourself. God, I'm trusting you tonight as I lay down. I've got so many things I've got going on, but you're bigger than all of them. And you are more important than all of them and I keep you first. That is what God longs for, a heart that is alive, vibrant, passionate, engaged with him, fully trusting him. You say, well, 
Why isn't that what's happening for me? How come I'm the one who gets distracted with the shiny and I become spiritually lazy? I think it goes back to this idea of what Jesus said, that our heart is like soil. He has planted seed. Seed takes time to grow. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we don't let other weeds, vines, thorns take over our heart and we become choked. Turn your Bibles today to Proverbs 24. It's where we're starting today. Proverbs chapter 24. We'll see the real life story of someone who encountered a very similar experience in their life. The man who's writing is Solomon, one of the most wise men who ever lived one of the most wealthy men who ever lived. He had his high moments, he had his low moments, but man, the guy could write. And so Proverbs is a collection of his writings. And it's, it's kind of these quick punches of little truths that he gives. It's like somebody's got the TV remote and they're just, just flipping the channels right and left. And Proverbs is like that. It's just one little truth after another. They're powerful. They're short statements, but they're eternal truths. And they show up in life. I love the book of Proverbs. And so what we're going to see today is a, a micro story, if you will, from the book of Proverbs. Solomon's writing about something that happens to him and something he learned. And he starts off in verse 30 is where we are at the end of Proverbs 24, verse 30. Solomon says this. He says, I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. It doesn't say I went by the field of a lazy man. It was the lazy man. The man devoid of understanding. He this guy was kind of known for this. This guy was known for not being as passionate, active, engaged, involved as he should have been. I don't know what experience Solomon had with him, but he, he walks by, it says, the field and the vineyard. This man has two things that not everybody in his day had. He had a field and he had a vineyard. If you had a field, you were growing things in it. It was intended to be worked. You had to plow. You had to remove the rocks. You had to keep the soil fresh. You had to keep it loose. You had to remove sticks. You had to remove anything that got in the soil. You had to remove weeds. You had to do the work of keeping the soil where seed could be planted in it, and what was planted would grow and what grew would produce fruit. That's how you got your harvest. So this man had a field. He had the ability to work, he had the ability to provide, he had the ability to be passionate, engaged, working, providing for himself, providing for his family, providing for others. He had a way to make money, he had a way to be engaged in life. But it says he also had a vineyard. A vineyard is where you grow grapes. A vineyard is where there's not just one grape vine, there are a lot of grape vines. A vineyard is a place where there were trellises that these vines grew up on. And if you had a vineyard, it was understood that you're not going to get any grapes until at least the third year. That's the first time you're going to get any viable grapes out of your vineyard. And then it really takes time from there to produce a true harvest of grapes. This man had a field and this man had a vineyard. If you have a vineyard, there's also work to do. You've got to build the trellises. You've got to prune the vines. 
You've got to keep out the animals. So you build a fence. You build a wall to keep out the small animals who want to come take what you are growing. This man had work. He had what should have been energy and passion. He had what should have been a joy and delight, a field and a vineyard. But something's happened to this man. Something's not clicking. Because this man is lazy. This man is without, devoid of understanding. He's missing the point. He has the ability to provide for himself and others, but he's not working. Something has happened. As we follow Solomon along, he gives us some more insight. Verse 31. Solomon says, and there it was. In other words, here's the field, here's the vineyard. There it all is, and he says, it's all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Mm, I hate nettles. We call them bull nettles here in Texas, as I said. And his stone or its stone wall was broken down. This man who had so much at his disposal, this man who had everything he needed, this man who had everything he needed to provide for himself and for others, this man who had everything he needed for a passion and a purpose in life to make a difference in others that should have just energized his heart to get up every day, work all day, rest at night, provide for what should have been his passion and his joy, he let go. He was lazy. He was without understanding, and the result was that all that he has is covered over with thorns, and the surface of the ground is covered over with nettles, and the stone wall is broken down. Now, as we said about thorns, thorns, vines with thorns, they are equipped with their own self-defense mechanism. In other words, a thorn makes you not want to go near the vine. The thorn is its way of challenging you to come do something about it. I dare you. The thorn is enough for you to say, mm, I'm just going to wait. I don't feel like dealing with that today. It's too painful. I might get hurt. I don't want that on me. And if that was enough threat to you, the thorns growing up and over the trellises, the thorns growing up and over the wall. You've got the ground covered in the nettle. You have these tiny, prickly, hypodermic, infused, prickly points ready to do some damage to you. And it's all enough to say, I really don't want to go out there. I don't want to have to deal with that because it's going to hurt too much. It's going to cost something. It's going to be painful. I don't want to go out in that stuff. I don't even know how I'm going to deal with it. I'm not sure what I'll do. It really just needs to all be burned down. But if I do that, I risk losing the trellises and the grapevines. And it takes forever. And so at the end of the day, because of the thorns and because of the nettles, the owner just says, mm, I think I'll just Netflix today instead. I'll just stay away from it. I'll just move on to something else. I'll just take it easy today. The thing about thorns 
and nettle. And what Solomon says has happened here, this isn't one week into it. This isn't one month into it. This has all the appearance of time has passed. Maybe even years have passed. And this man's place has become completely overgrown. And the wall's broken down. What should have been protecting him and his vines, grapevines, and his field has been broken down, which means animals have come in, perhaps thieves have come along, and they've gotten in, taken what he had, and he doesn't have anymore. And he has concluded, I'm not going to do anything about it. It looks like too much work, too hard, too much, too painful. He lost his passion. He lost his purpose. He lost what once provided for him. He lost the core of who he is. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the issues of life. What is in the center of you, your passions, your desires, your, the New Testament uses the word spirit, the very essence of who you are. We are called to guard that with all diligence, to protect it, to make sure that a root of bitterness doesn't spring up, that envy doesn't take root, that comparison doesn't launch out, and that the weed of laziness does not find its way in. Because your heart is who you are. You can put on a front for people at work. You can put on a front on social media. You can put on a front here at church. But when you go home and you're all alone, your heart, your spirit is who you are. And it's there that God says, protect that. Protect what I'm doing there. Guard it. Don't let anything else in. Protect it. Grow what I'm doing in you. This is what you and I are called to do and be. And to not let apathy, laziness of our spirit dominate our life. Now, in this passage, Solomon goes on and he says, When I saw it, I considered it well. In other words, when I saw what was happening, when I, I knew what I knew about the man, when I saw the field, when I saw what was happening, he said, I looked on it and received instruction. In other words, Solomon said, I saw this and God showed me something. God reminded me of some things. And Solomon's going to help us know what he learned here in this moment. But what we have learned already so far 
in this series is, is that God is intimately involved in wanting to change you. He is planting seed in your heart. He plants truth. It's happening right now because we're looking at God's word. He's speaking to you. He's planting seed right now in your heart. It happens throughout your week. He speaks and plants because he wants to change you. He wants you to not be who you have been. He's growing you up into the very nature of Jesus himself. He's changing not just what you do. He's changing that too. But he's changing your very desires. He's changing what you're interested in. He's changing what you're passionate about. He's changing what your go-tos are. And so to see someone whose heart has been overgrown with weeds, to see that they've given up on the work that God was doing and got distracted and started doing a bunch of other stuff that they wanted to do is much like what Solomon sees here. He sees someone who should... This field should be changing. It should be cleaned. It should be growing. It should be producing. But it's not. Our lives should be changing, clean, being used by God. But spiritual laziness will keep you from that. Our lives should have some boundaries to them that keep some things out that have no business coming near us. But if you've been lazy, you've let those walls fall. You've let the boundaries go. You've decided it's okay to dabble in some things that you know are not healthy and helpful to you. You've let the walls crumble down. And you've become like this man that Solomon's talking about. He said, I saw all that and I learned something. God spoke to me. And here is what he said he learned. A little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. I don't know what interaction Solomon had with this guy, but you get the impression that Solomon's like, hey, you want to come out today? I'm going on downtown. You want to come with me? And all he hears inside is, hey, you want to come with me? What? What? No, I'm tired, man. Get on out of here. You get the impression that day after day after day that happened, and the guy said, no, I, I need to sleep a little bit longer. I need to just hit that snooze button a couple more times. I need to just rest a, a, a little bit more. That sounds like too much work. Hey, aren't you going to come out here? I mean, did you know your fence is down? Did you know there's like animals coming in and getting your vineyard here? Yeah, it's just, it's just too much work. I, I need to just rest a little bit more. I need to just take a break a little bit longer. This man, he's got, he's got a trouble. He's got some issues going on. And Solomon says, I learned it here. Because this man had some apathy, some laziness. And it started with a word. 
little. No one ever sets out to be apathetic, lethargic, uninterested, distracted. No one sets off on that path. The way you end up in that place, however, is through the word little. Little. I'm just not going to spend as much time seeking God. I'm just going to do a little bit more of what I want to do. It won't hurt if I give in just a little to this temptation. It won't hurt if I just look a little. It won't surely be a problem if I scroll just a little bit longer. If I check a few more posts, dive a little deeper, go a little longer, get involved a little in this relationship. Letting go of a little of the spiritual discipline that I once had. A little comparison can't be all that bad. A little jealousy surely isn't all that harmful. A little bit I can manage. That is the lie the enemy uses. I can handle it. I can manage it. It's just a little. And that's what happened to this man. A little sleep. Let me just sleep a little longer. A little slumber. It's more of the word for uh, napping. And I love a good nap, right? And there's a time for a nap, you know. How many people in here take a Sunday afternoon nap? Come on now. All right, thank you. There's something about a Sunday afternoon nap that's awesome, right? I mean, you know, you've been busy, you get out, you do your whole church thing, go out to eat, maybe you don't, maybe you do, you do all the stuff, you get some stuff done around the house, and it's like, okay, it's not Monday yet. I got a little window this afternoon, it's hot outside, AC's on, I got a nice glass of iced tea, you know, I'm snacking on some stuff, and you got a little something on the TV, and that right there, mmm. Especially if you're sitting near the AC vent and you got a blanket. Mm. Right? Come on now. Everybody enjoys a good nap. And there's a time for a nap. There's time to sleep. There's a time to nap. There's a time to fold your hands and rest. But this guy's problem was that he liked it a little too much. And he ignored what was most important and chose what felt good to him. You see, this is where it gets dangerous. When you choose what feels good to you, it would feel good to sleep a little longer. It would feel good to just nap a little more. It would feel good to just sit down and do nothing. A little shouldn't be a problem. A little I should be able to manage. And all of a sudden, you look up after you've littled yourself for weeks and months, and you find your field's covered over. Your vineyard is covered with nettle. And you don't even want to get out and do anything about it because you don't have the energy. 
Isn't it funny how inactivity tends to breed inactivity? Isn't it weird? You think, hey, I'm just going to get a little nap and I'll feel better. Sometimes that works, but sometimes if I stop and take the nap, it's like, I'm going to have to take a little bit longer nap. It's just not, I'm just, it's not enough. You know? you just, and, and so the, what I have found is the more that I choose not to do something, the more of it I don't want to do. Right? And it makes me not want to do it even longer. But I found in those moments where I say, look, look here, self, dude. You and your comfort don't run this place. I'm not going to let you dominate me. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I have found that when I do that, activity breeds activity. And I find myself in a place of energy like I've never had before. And that works whether you decided all of a sudden to paint your house on your own. <laughs> it's weird. Heather and I talked about painting our house some time back. And I'm like, I told her, I said, I have no interest in painting our house. None. I don't want to do it. Let's just get someone else to do it. Went down that path a little bit, decided, no, I'm not going to do that. So about a month ago, we decided, let's just start. We'll start in one room and work our way forward. So started. <laughs> it's a crazy thing. I'm like calling Heather on Tuesday. Hey, so uh, we're not doing anything tonight, right? No, I don't think so. All right, I'm going to paint when I get home tonight then. All of a sudden, I want to paint, and I want to paint more. I'm like, hey, let's go back. I'm going to work on the house a little bit more. I found activity breeds activity. I found it true whether you're doing some physical labor or if you're doing some spiritual labor. I found it to be true that when I start seeking God and I make that my goal and my purpose and my desire and my plan and I put myself into it, that it doesn't become a burden. It becomes something actually I find greater delight in and passion in and I find myself energetic and wanting more of that. Let me talk to you for just a moment this morning about some symptoms that you may be experiencing if you have some spiritual apathy. So if you want to make a note, these are not on screen. You can follow me along here. Some symptoms of spiritual laziness. Number one, you're living off of fruit from past experiences with God rather than fresh fruit that God is showing you today. You're more interested and caught up and your stories revolve around what happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago than being able to say, here's what God is teaching me right now. If you, have letting some, if you have let some spiritual apathy in, this is one of the symptoms. You don't have any fresh fruit because the trellises are covered in thorns and the way to them is covered in nettle. You don't have any fruit. The wall's down. Someone else has taken the fruit and you're relying upon past stories to carry you today. Heather and I love going to see her grandfather in uh, Alabama because he has a garden. And down in his basement is the fruit of years of gardening. I mean, you want corn? It's over there. You want some green beans? They're on that shelf. You want some beets? Nope. You want some, like, <laughs> I don't, really. He's got them because he's done the work. 
Season in, season out, he did the work. He plowed the flower bed or the garden. He did the work in the heat. He got out there and he's got the fruit to prove it. He's got it. He's got it from last year. He's got it from this year. He's got it fresh up in the refrigerator. He's got it all. He's done the work. That's what you and I are called to do as well in our walk with God. The second symptom of spiritual laziness is there's no spiritual discipline in your life to seek and know God. You don't really have a plan. You're just hoping it happens. You just show up in places and think, well, God wants to show me something, he will. Yeah, you won't find that in the Bible anywhere. God rewards those who seek him. And when you have made it your spiritual discipline and goal to say, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to knock until I get an answer. I'm going to stay here. Hello? God, I need to hear something. God, I'm really. It's been a week, I know, but I really, I'm desperate to hear from you. That's who God answers, the one who does the work. Uh, Recently, we started a new study for our men's breakfast. So we have a men's breakfast group that meets 6 a.m. on Wednesday mornings. We fix a breakfast. We have a Bible study. And I thought, we're going to try something new. We're going to do a series called The Disciplines of a Godly Man. We're just going to punch it out here and see what happens. We're going to see what will it, how far can we go with this thing as men to say, we're going to make this our focus, we're going to make this our drive, we're going to make this our goal. We're going to seek God together. We're going to discipline our lives around this. We're going to change some things about our lives, even begin to memorize and meditate on some scripture. Some people have taken that to greater extremes than others, but the men are doing the work. And so I thought, this will be interesting. I don't know how many people will have to show up for this. Because I don't know a whole lot of men who are passionate about that kind of thing. So I was a little nervous about starting this new subject. But I was excited and grateful when this past Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., 26 men showed up to know about spiritual discipline in their lives. Amen? Amen. That's what it takes. It takes that kind of diligence, persistence, Restructuring your life, rebuilding the walls that have been broken down, repairing the trellis that has been destroyed, clearing out the weeds that have taken over, and saying, God, the work you're doing is more important than anything else. The third symptom of spiritual laziness is that worship has lost its excitement to you. Worship is a spectator sport to you rather than an engagement that you have with your heart. It's something that you stand and stare at. It's something that is happening around you, rather than something that's happening in you. It's something that you aren't engaged in, and it's something that is not not a two-way experience. It's a one-way experience. Worship is intended to be a two-way experience of me expressing my love to God and him expressing his love to me. And when you're engaged in worship, that's what you'll find. But spiritual laziness will take you out of that place. And when you get into those moments where there are other people who are worshiping and seeking God, it feels a little strange. It feels a little awkward. You're disengaged. You're distracted. You're, You're somewhere else. That's what happens when you've not done the work and you've become spiritually lazy. Number four, prayer has become a one-way cry of desperation rather than a two-way conversation. There's a place to cry out to God and say, God, please get me out of this thing, right? There's a moment for that, right? But that's not 
what an ongoing intimate relationship is like. An ongoing intimate relationship is me speaking and him speaking. Me speak, me hear. Me hear more, me speak less. Right? That's what prayer ought to be. It should be this conversation that's driven by him, responded to by me. But so often it's the other way around. I'm trying to instigate it all and wondering where in the world are you in this deal? Right? Number five. You see far more of what's overtaken your life than the new growth that God is trying to do in your life. You look around and what you see are problems. That's almost all of what you see. You have a hard time seeing where God is in any of it. Number six, there are more struggles than there are victories in your life. You and I, according to the new covenant, are called to be more than conquerors. We should be known by the victories that we have in battle, not the losses that we have in battle. Not that I'm not going to have some losses along the way, some struggles along the way, but you and I are not to be known as those who barely made it. We are more than strugglers. (laughs) It's not what it's, I mean, what hope would there be in that? You're more than a failure in Christ. (laughs) But that's how we often live. Instead of saying, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I've done my work of seeking him, praying, worshiping, reading, memorizing, meditating. I've done the work. I'm clearing the flower bed out. I'm getting the weeds out. And he's speaking to me. That's what we're called to be. And I'm winning. I'm accomplishing. I'm I'm being victorious over sin in my life. I'm being victorious over temptation. Number seven. Spiritual matters have become a duty rather than a delight. You think about things like serving, giving, being with other believers, being at church, and those things to you become like, well, Sunday, I guess we have to go to church. I guess we ought to do that. Those things have become dry to you. Those become a duty to you. You've lost the point. You've lost the fact that you've been given a field and a vineyard. And you've become distracted. And what should be a delight, you look at with irritation. Number eight. Your heart has more comparison, envy, and fear of what people think than contentment, gratefulness, and passion. In other words, the weeds have overgrown the seed that God has planted. Number nine, you've lost the vision for what God was doing in your life. It's all of a sudden gotten cloudy. You can't see us clearly anymore. There was a time you thought, Okay, God, you're working my life. Here we go. I'm ready. Let's do this. And you're walking along, and all of a sudden, it's like, hello. You can't see him anywhere. It's not because he's hiding. It's because you've gotten lazy in seeking him. 
And number 10, the last one, you stopped changing. You're the same as you've been. You think the same, feel the same, struggle the same, act the same, go the same places, do the same things, and you can't really see that your heart is more like Christ today than it was before. And I don't mean decades ago. I mean recently. These are some of the symptoms that we have let the bull nettle of spiritual laziness into our field. It all started because of a little. A little. I can manage this. It'll be okay. I don't have to do it like I used to. Solomon said, here's what I also learned, that if you let a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, if you let that happen, if you let that heart in, here's what the result will be, verse 34. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Nobody wants a robber to show up in your day. Nobody wants to go to Walmart this afternoon and on your way out be assaulted by someone who's got a gun who wants to take what you have. Nobody wants to lose what you have earned, what you've been given, what is yours. Nobody wants that to happen to you. But Solomon says, if you let laziness take over your spiritual life, you will have an experience like this happen to you. You're going to come upon a moment where you're going to have a need. You're going to be going through your day, and all of a sudden, you're going to have an experience where a hurt happens, loss happens, tragedy happens, need occurs, an attitude comes up, a temptation shows up. You're going to be in a moment right then where you are going to need something You're going to need God to show up. You're going to need some help from him. And in that moment, if you've been lazy, you won't have anything. You won't be able to win the battle. And you'll find, oh my, I let the wall down. I let the vines grow. I let the nettle in. And I don't have it. I don't have the ability to forgive them, even though I need to. I can't. I can't forgive them. I'm not going to forgive them. That's someone who's been lazy spiritually. I know I need to be patient, but I'm not going to be patient. You've been lazy spiritually is what's happened. I need to have hope. I need to have faith in a situation, but I just don't have it. It's because you've been lazy. It's because you haven't done the work. You need to break a habit. You need to change the pattern. You say, but I can't do it. That's because you've been lazy. I hope you know when I say you, I'm including me. I'm not standing up here like I got this all figured out. You don't. We. You hear me? I'm one of you. Our family's not perfect. I'm not perfect. 
we're walking in this journey. I want to be more than a conqueror. I don't want to be more than a struggler. Amen? I don't want to be in a moment and I get in a time of need. I don't want to be in the place where the enemy shows up and he wants to take something from me and I don't have the ability to fight him off. I don't want to be in that moment. So what do you do? What do we do? I close today with a verse from 2 Timothy 2, 19. It says in that verse, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. In other words, the basis, the foundation, the root of what God is about and doing has this written on it. It has this proclamation and seal on it that the Lord knows those who are his. This is where we start. You come to this rock-solid belief, confident assurance, God knows me. God has me. God sees me. God knows my life. God knows my beginning and end. He knows the purpose that he has for my life. He knows me. He doesn't have to do a Google search to find out about me. He knows everything about me. He knows the number of hair on my head. He knows my days from beginning to end. He knows. He knows me. And because of that, the second part of this verse is necessary. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If you are known and you know him, then our calling, our responsibility is to depart from anything that could keep us from being everything for him. Well, what are those things? Anything that keeps you from being everything he wants you to be. Well, can you give me a list? Here it is. Anything, anything that keeps you from everything that God wants to do in your life. Whatever it is. Don't look at someone else's life and try to copy their list because it may be different for you. Anything that keeps you from being everything he wants to do is something you need to purge. You need to remove. You need to get out of the game. To, it's distracting you. It's keeping you away. If Facebook is that thing, get it out. If Instagram is that thing, remove it. If it's a magazine subscription, remove it. If it's a subscription to a gym, get rid of it. If it's a place you've been going, stop going there. If it's some friends that have been leading you the wrong path, stop hanging around them. Whatever it is for you, get to the place you say, I gotta get this out of here. I can't let the vines control me anymore. I can't let my schedule, my priorities, the things I've been wanting to do, what's easy for me, what's comfortable for me, what satisfies me, you can't do it anymore. You can't let a little of it in anymore. 
you got to get it out. You have to do it. You say, well, can I just pray God remove it? You can. But he'll turn around and say, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You do it. You walk away from it. You choose. You make the hard call. Purge it. Remove it. Delete it. Sell it. Get away from it. Change it. And know this. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. It's like those vines and nettle. you got to get it out. And you just have to be willing to take the pain. Don't let apathy win because it also has a self-defense mechanism like thorns. that says, I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's going to take a whole lot of energy that you don't have. And then apathy just won again. It injected you with its poison and made you say, yeah, you're right. I'll just keep doing a little bit more of what I've been doing instead of purging my life from anything that keeps me from being everything God wants me to be. There's a lot of weeds we've looked at, but I think this one is the most treacherous. You and I have to be willing to say, look, self, your comfort doesn't rule here anymore. There's a new man in town. It's who God has made me to be. And he's in charge. He's in charge and new man's in charge. And old man, just because you feel hungry doesn't mean I'm going to feed you. Old man, just because you feel like saying something doesn't mean you're going to say it. Old man, just because you feel like going somewhere doesn't mean we're going there. This is where you, the new you, stands up and becomes what God has made you to be. Vineyard owner. Field worker and owner. Step up. Do what you're called to do. Remove the weeds. Rebuild the wall. Do the work. Grow the fruit. Let God do his work. Be what he's called you to be. Would you bow your heads with me today? It's time for us to do the work. And that work happens in our heart. And this is perhaps the most strenuous work you will have ever undertaken. This is not easy. This will not be over in the next two minutes. This will be a chore. It'll have resistance. It'll have cost. It'll have sacrifice. And it'll cause pain. That's what happens when you've let the field and the vineyard get overgrown. But this is what we're going to do because we are those who know Christ and he knows us. And so we're going to depart from what has kept us away. It's time to clear the flower bed. Father, today, I'm grateful that you're speaking to us. I'm grateful even for times that are hard talk that you have with us. I'm grateful for the times of assurance and mercy and love, but there are times when holiness speaks. 
There are times when we must do here what's done in heaven. There are times that we have to purge and remove what's keeping us away. So Father, I'd ask you to forgive us where we have become distracted by the shiny things, where we've chosen to do a little of what we want to do, where we've let our priorities in our life get completely out of balance, where we have not put you first. Today, we depart from those things. Today, we come back. Today, we put you first. Today, you, again, are Lord of our lives, just as you have said you are already. So today, this is what we do. We come as your people. We put ourselves back on the altar to be changed, for your spirit to have its way, for us to be shaped into the very image of your son, Jesus, no matter what circumstances take us down that path, we bring ourselves back to be changed by you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. What an incredible message from Pastor Brian. It was such a great Sunday. We can't wait to see you again next week at 1030.